Welcome, welcome, welcome back, everyone, to the Smooth Thrills Radio Hour. I'm your host, Jason Rutledge. The show continues its march to greatness with Series 2, Episode 2, a musical, workplace, comedy, adventure kind of a thing. Oh, by the way, if you're new to the show and trying to get caught up, every episode to this point is available on the website, as well as through iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your fine podcasts. I've noticed a lot of our international audience has recently discovered the Mondo Kane and Salem's Lot episodes from Series 1. That's fantastic. If you've got any questions or comments about anything you've heard, uh, you can always slide gently into our DMs on Twitter and Instagram, or drop us a line at autopilot at smooththrillsradiohour.com. So in this episode, we're talking about car wash. If you haven't seen this one, or maybe you haven't seen it for a really long time, Please go check it out as soon as you can. It, it's really amazing stuff, and it remains a fan favorite to this day for a very good reason. Pick up the soundtrack, too. I guarantee you won't regret it. Uh, Nathan and Katie are back and ready to go, so let's get on with the show. You know, but first, we sent TC out to pick up lunch quite a while ago. I should probably check in with him real quick and see how he's doing. What's the special today? Ribs and wings. What kind of wings? Chicken. I've always been a breast and thigh man myself. Ow! I also like I, eight-legged freaks. I tried to go see Lost in Space when it came out. Why? Because I've seen everything <laughs> in else. In that sense, if you got a movie replaced, that would be a good oh, thing. Oh, no. They were sold out. <laughs> and I didn't want to leave without seeing a movie, so I went to see Deconstructing Harry. Oh, what do you And this granddad had brought his two kids to see Lost in Space. But he, I guess he thought, yeah, well, it's sold out. Ah, it's Woody Allen. He's funny. Let's take him to this. Yeah, R-rated. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, the hooker showed up, and it all just, they, they got up and left. It was terrible. That's like all the times I went and saw Watchmen and people were like dragging their kids out of there because they were like, oh, this isn't a good movie. It's R-rated. I know, but people are like, superheroes, this is for kids. Our rating system doesn't work. (laughs) People are stupid. It's a comic book. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah, anyway, uh, welcome back, everybody, to the Smooth (laughs) Thrills Radio Hour. Uh, Today we're going back to 1976. The disco era. 70 and 6? And so that's how they said <laughs> wow. it back then. I heard that really too, but I wasn't going to say anything. That's how they said it back then, yeah, Nathan. Yeah, yeah. And the movie Car Wash. Now, Car Wash, for me, falls into a unofficial subcategory of movies that I would call the disco slacker. You have a whole bunch of music. Nobody has anything real important to do with the entire movie. There's not much of a plot, necessarily, to keep up with. It's just a lot. It's just a fun movie to watch. You can get up and go get some snack and come back, and you didn't really miss anything. Maybe another song came up. That's okay. It falls into that category with kind of like um, other movies like it, like Thank God It's Friday or Record City is a, maybe Dude, a better you example. Brought that up. Okay, I was going to bring that up. 
Damn it. And I would even say American <laughs> Graffiti falls into that category also, I just said although that. it's a different genre of music. There you go. Yeah. And this is actually one of the few movies we've ever talked about that was beloved by Roger Ebert. Normally he hates everything we talk about on this show. But he wrote at the time, and I totally agree with this, it's one thing to have an idea like this, a zany, sometimes serious day in the life of a car wash, and another thing to make it work. But the screenplay and the direction juggle the characters so adroitly. This is almost a wash and wax mash. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of, I wouldn't go so far as mash. I don't know how it compares there. Well, it certainly the has time. more. It's an ensemble. Well, it certainly has more in common with mash than it does something like Dolomite, say. Oh, yeah. Because you have this gigantic ensemble cast. The storylines kind of intersect, but again, it's not, and nothing super critical is happening. They don't have to save the world from an evil supervillain or anything like that. Was that a Ting Ting's reference? Super oh. critical. Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And it was a pretty successful film when it came out. It uh, 4.2 million went on its release, which is for the year it would have been above Duchess and Dirtwater Fox, but not quite as popular as the Pom Pom Girls. Oh, that's understandable. Classic. It was in the theaters up against uh, stuff like Marathon Man, Burnt Offerings, God Told Me To. Mm Mm-hmm. And the song remains the same, which I'm not sure anybody actually went to a theater to watch when it came oh, yeah, out. They, yeah. they probably had to watch it because the they couldn't see Gremlins yeah. too. And then, of course, the, the month after that was no Carrie and Assault for Precinct 13. <laughs> it also has the very interesting distinction of being the first movie directed by an African-American to premiere at the Cannes Film Festival in competition. Won two awards, didn't it? Uh I don't think so. I don't know if it won any oh, awards or from not. From what I read, I thought it did. I could be well, wrong. It was up against some pretty I'm stiff not, competition. I'm going to agree with Katie. It was in competition against some other things you might have heard of. Uh, Robert Altman's Three Women, The American Friend from Vin Vendors, Hal Ashby, Bound for Glory, and Ridley Scott's first movie, The Duelist. Mm. Out of competition yeah, it was that selected year. Palm du- Palm Dior competition. Yeah. It was in, and then selected it for won, the competition. Um, and then it won. It said it won two awards at Cannes that year: a technical grand prize and best music. So it did win two. It should Norman Whitfield alone. Yeah. Yeah. Not in competition that year, by the way. We're pumping iron and slapshot. Yeah, if you'd ta- if you'd asked any, me what was the what was the first movie directed by an African American premiere con, I might not have guessed this one. No, because it's a crowd pleaser. I it's might have gone not with an art house film. It's yeah, I would have gone with something maybe artier, like a Sweet Sweet Back, maybe. Would have been in there. Oh wow! Was that never? I don't think so. Wow, that's that's a loss right there. That should have been. But I may not have guessed Car Wash just because of the nature of the film. It doesn't seem like the kind of thing that would even. Well, we talked about how weird Con is before, I guess. So it's not weird but that also, it would be there. The premise. I mean, it is. It is a very American-based movie. Like, oh sure, it's a workplace comedy. Mm-hmm. But does that translate as well in other territories? I wouldn't think so. I would think so maybe more now because it is a more prevalent subgenre, mm-hmm. for lack of a better way to put it. Yeah. Like you see is, more yeah. films now that are just like, hey, you have all these people. Right. They're just doing their normal day to day thing. Yeah. Right. This was like kind of like the beginning of the working place comedy in mm-hmm. a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's Do fair. you think that I have a question because mm-hmm. when I was reading the IMDb trivia and everything, <laughs> do you think that. A film like Car Wash, I would have had a different appreciation for had I already seen something like American Graffiti. I don't know about that. 
Um, maybe. Just if because you... I'm not overly familiar with this type of film where it is, right. hey, there's just these people doing their normal day-to-day thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So are you like, saying if you hadn't already seen American Graffiti? I've not seen American Graffiti. So I'm wondering if I had seen American Graffiti, would I have maybe approached this film differently or th- felt different about it? I don't know. I don't honestly, I wasn't overly wowed about it. But I'm also trying to look at it for when From it came out. Era, yeah. mm-hmm. Well, American Graffiti, I can see somewhat of a comparison, but I don't think that they're similar films. Mm. They're right. hangout movies, but... American Graffiti is more of a coming of age drama in one night kind of situation. Yeah. Right. This but is, this, this film does was a whole those, one day thing. This is right. A, it's true. It's eight hours in a car wash. Yeah. <laughs> but mm-hmm. there are there are some arcs in it with the characters as far as you could say rival that you know yeah, you like learning the, and moving further and they're you know. Well, because it also gave, I recently watched Boogie Nights, and it gave mm-hmm. me similar vibes in that regard, too, because there's really no linear story through the whole thing, but you're just taking, like you said, this story that occasionally crosses over between the characters, and then that's it. Yeah. And you, Boogie Nights, that's a good example of being thrust into a moment in time, mm-hmm. which that's exactly what Car Wash, Car yeah. Wash is, but no mm-hmm. one ever said... Hey, when we make car wash, we're going to make a time capsule of the no. 70s. Right. No one knew. So, it, but it, it very much it is. It definitely so, has yeah. that. Mm-hmm. I was really disappointed in my research that I could not find any evidence there was, there's ever an actual place called Howard's Great Casino Music Hall in Rib Shack. Because <laughs> that sounds awesome. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Something you can only see yeah. in the movies, maybe. They only mention it one or two times in the movie. It's the place that the guy keeps trying to call into the radio station and get tickets to. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. his. That's his story arc. Yes. They're not a very important story arcs, but yeah, it's there. Um, But yeah, Michael Schultz. Mm -hmm. I've got a list of, because he had, and Joe touched on it a little bit in a previous episode, I think, when we talked about um, his previous film being Cooley High. Yeah. And he hadn't seen that yet. But Cooley High was like this sleeper hit that came out like the year before this. And... Basically, he'd only ever done television, episodic television, up to the point of doing Cooley High. Mm. And then that kick-started his career. I'm just going to go through a list of awesome <laughs> movies that Michael Schultz directed. Here we go. At least I think they're awesome. Um, Cooley High, Greased Lightning, Scavenger Hunt, Which Way is Up? Oh, wow. <laughs> Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts oh. Club Band. Oh, shit. Mm. Bustin' Loose. Okay. Carbon Copy, The Last Dragon, Crush Groove, Disorderlies. Love it. Live in Large, which was like his last feature film. And Mm. he just does, he's still doing episodic television, I believe. Yeah, like his his filmography is insane as far as TV shows go. Yeah, throughout the 90s up to this point, it's like strictly television. Um, A lot of Richard Pryor thrown in there. Yeah. And this was Car Wash was the first collaboration, I think, as far as in film with him. I I do find it hilarious that the film is displayed and advertised as, oh, it's Richard Pryor and George Carlin. And it's like. Because that's how they pulled people (laughs) in, man. That was was the selling point. Well, Carlin was so many people on this run knowns. Carlin was the, had become the first host of SNL just the previous year. Which Garrett Morris, by the way. Garrett Morris was, yeah. Yeah. So. 
he was kind of a hot property and certainly Richard Pryor was, even though he has no memory of shooting this movie. Well, he was probably only did one day. Yeah, I think, yeah. One the whole Daddy Rich sequences. Yeah. Cause they couldn't get the actual big Daddy Rich, I don't think, or something like that and ended up with Richard Pryor. It's fair trade. But yeah, wouldn't you rather have Pryor? <laughs> Definitely. Oh, Definitely. he also did a, another great movie. Oh. The Jerk 2. There was a sequel to The Jerk. There was a sequel to The Jerk. It was <laughs> no. made for television, 1984. Mark Blankfield None plays of that's Nathan good, Johnson. None of that sounds like a good idea. Well, if you're a Mark Blankfield fan like myself, it's, it's essential. <laughs> it's, it's Christmas time. Also, <laughs> not, the lady. <laughs> also, the woman who played um, Marlene in the film is mm-hmm. his wife. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But did, and they're that, actually still together. Did they meet on this production? No, uh, okay. because they got married in 65. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't so know that. I think That's if awesome. there is any real through line to this movie, it's uh, Abdullah. Yeah. Played Bill by Duke. Bill Duke. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Went on, he fought a, a predator after this. Really did good for himself after that. But, and turned director as well. Yeah. Great it, films. But if, the, if you could pick on one thing that follows through the entire movie, it's his storyline. Yeah. And I want to say, I can really appreciate have, having had many shitty jobs in my day that they have a boss that is as supportive as this guy definitely is. He gives the, he cuts mm-hmm. these guys a lot of slack that you would not normally see in any other workplace. Oh, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Ask where, where was Abdullah? Not because he wants to fire him, but because he's concerned about this guy. He, he seems to be concerned about all his employees for, mo- for the most part. Maybe not yeah. so much the cowboy hat guy with, with the, Sexual disease. <laughs> Jack Kehoe. Yeah. Jack Kehoe. Yeah, he's kind of just there. Yeah. But no, you're right about it because he gives, I mean, I guess you would have to have that kind of boss to mm. be for this type of comedy because yeah, I don't think anyone's necessarily efficient in the movie as far as they're, I mean, they're, they're just cleaning cars, but you know, yeah. there's no employee of the month, I don't think, in this film. I think no, they're all on the same no. level as, as output in terms of it is production. Definitely not the boss's kid. No. God, no. Who Irwin. Spends, yeah. his, spends the entire movie quoting from Mao. Who's probably <laughs> like the closest thing to a, uh, a foil you could have in the movie. He's just kind of annoying. He's just fly on the, in the ointment. Speaking of, one thing I thought was really funny is the whole thing about the fly. Oh, yeah. The employee who wants to create the first black superhero, even though he's a few years too late because Luke Cage had already debuted about four years before this. I pulled a clip of his whole speech about how he's going to make it. Mm -hmm. His dream, his through line in this movie is the creation of this amazing superhero known as the fly. And there ain't no black Superman, man. Dig it, man. I would be the first Lord. I would be like Superman, that square sucker Jack, man. I'd be sharp, 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 man. Oh, wow, man. I had me a bad black cape, man, a helmet. Look like two big eyes, you know, in the brim, man. You full of shit. Oh, come on, Lloyd. Like, wow, man. Like, I'd just be able to walk up buildings, brother, man. Hey, and nobody would mess with me, man. Nobody, man. Because, like, I would be the flies. But you're still full of shit, though. You wouldn't talk to me like that if I was the fly. Oh, yes, I would. Because then you'd be full of fly shit. You know what else, man? There ain't nothing lower than fly shit. Not kangaroo shit, elephant shit, or chicken shit. Ain't nothing lower than fly shit. 
You crazy, man. I swear to God, I'll kill you, man. You ever do that again? You ever mess with my shirt again, I'll kill you. I want that shirt. <laughs> yes. I want I that too. shirt. <laughs> yeah, that's a great homemade You can design. just see his heart breaking in the <laughs> through that whole thing. Yeah. And good old Otis Day. And Otis Day, day yes. Yeah. Prior to National Lampoon's Animal House. Probably, yeah, just prior, I think, wasn't it? Well, a couple years, yeah. That mm. was 78. But he's also in Thank God It's Friday. Yep. As Floyd, the uh, inept equipment guy that has the Commodore's uh, oh, yeah. instruments. He's driving around the van aimlessly. Which, uh, by the way, he's oh, in that movie with right. Ray Vitt, who plays the uh, a lot, DJ. A lot of these guys spectacle. were in thousands of movies, it seems yeah. like. Antonio Vargas... Yes. For example, was in just about every damn movie in the 1970s, as far as yeah, I can tell. Pretty much some of the most prolific movies of that era. Yeah. Absolutely. And also Starsky and Hutch, which... Yeah, a Huggy Bear's there. in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> but no, this is great. And then you've got Soli Boyer as the, as the manager, who I will never not think of as mm. the bank manager in Dog Day Afternoon. Oh, yeah. He did that movie right after, or did Car Wash right after Dog Day. Really? Yeah. Huh. You're a part. When he was going through the chicken shit, fly shit, did it, did anybody else think of Dumbo when that th thing came on? We were talking about horse flies, house flies. But I had never seen an elephant fly. No. Or was it just me? I don't know. For some reason, it echoed back to that with, for me. I'm not sure <laughs> if it was deliberate or not. I just uh, thought about how bad I want to say it to someone. What? Like, does, does that make me a bad person? Like, that whole spiel about... That's ain't worse than fly shit. Yeah, ain't nothing yeah, lower yeah. than fly shit. I was like, ooh, yeah. I could use this. Cut someone down right That would be ankles. a very, very specific circumstance where you could actually throw that line Oh, well, there's somebody I work there. with that uh, I could do that. <laughs> this is my moment. <laughs> I was like writing Here it Here we down. go. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty clear that everybody in this movie actually likes each other quite a bit, even though they do get into it. Yeah, yeah, like the relationships are definitely believable. There's, it's not you. Right. You don't. Yeah, they're founded in uh, love and appreciation of one another. So if there are mm -hmm. maybe Irwin, not so much. Maybe not Irwin. No. <laughs> but uh, well, but Irwin, even, even when he's like saying, I feel like when Irwin was like, "Hey, I had a really good time hanging out with you guys." Like when when just I think his name's Justin. Like was saying it back to it. It felt heartfelt. It didn't feel like. They yeah, were just saying it because it's the boss's himself. son. Yeah. But when he first wants to work with them, it's kind of like, get out of here, dude. You know, oh, he yeah. has the black power and, you know, like they're like, oh, know, like, hey, yeah. my brothers. And you're like, come on. They don't, they're like, they just are like, get out of here, dude. <laughs> Such an epic cast. So, shall I go through? Oh, let's not forget. <laughs> we have uh, Melanie Mayron. Yes. Who went on to be in 30 something and. And she had done Harry and Tonto prior to this. Tonto, I, I get her confused with Melanie quite a bit. They look a lot alike and still do. Her twin sister, Melanie. That is. Which one is in this movie? Gail or? Huh? This is Melanie Mayron. Is it? Yeah. Yes. I should read my notes. Yeah. It's in. Yeah, that's it. And of course, her relationship with Tim Thomerson. Yes. Who is Tim also Thomerson. in the city. Thank you. <laughs> Have you watched that lately, by the way, I'm, Record City? I have. It's been a few weeks ago, but yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. That movie is like, it's, probably, it's nuts. almost the closest thing to this yeah. in terms of a working place comedy, minus any laughter whatsoever. Well, you do get Rick Dees doing know, his thing. I'd say this. When I was working in radio, one of my jobs 
was to air the Rick D's weekly top 40 every week. And I love Rick D's, by the way. But Dude, as late as 1992, the dude was still trying to push Disco Duck Records out the door. <laughs> we had that late night talk show on ABC for a short while, which I actually loved. Hmm. I completely I it only forgot about that. One season, yeah. But it was, I want to say it was like early, very early 90s. But in this movie, you get uh, the professor, Erwin Corey, the world's foremost authority. Shows up. He was also in the seniors, right? Suspected as being the pop bottle bomber. Yes. I think it was. The kind mad of like, bomber, as he's credited. Kind of like Frank Gorshin as the chameleon in Record City. Oh, God, yes. That's you know, actually, I didn't even think about that parallel. Yeah. Something that occurred to me, and this is kind of out there, but bear with me now. So I'm thinking, okay, we have a big cast. There's lots of music. Then you throw in an older performer that. People who are going to see this movie may or may not be that familiar with, but kind of looks familiar in the form of Erwin Corey. So swap out the car wash with a beach and Erwin Corey with Buster Keaton. And oh, you've yeah. Got How to Stuff totally. a Wild Bikini. Yeah. It's, it's the same American movie. It's the same movie. basic kind yeah. of film. Not, not a lot happens in that movie either. Right. But you see what I'm saying there? There's some parallels there, I think. A yeah, little I bit. Think so. It's a stretch. And that may have been what like- Joel Schumacher was. <laughs> Ah, yeah, what is maybe. it? Maybe Joel Schumacher, R.I.P. Like we keep yes, having a trend here. <laughs> yeah. But I, I feel like this type of film, where it is the you just have a group of people doing things, it does mm-hmm. make them all very similar in tone, and it I don't does. Know, that might um, have something to do with it. And Schumacher was the king of the ensemble piece, and it started pretty much with this movie, and then well. Sparkle, he had written Maybe, the same yeah. year, which is kind of, it's an ensemble, but you know, it's like DC fire. Cab was something a little bit to me. That's like almost to a sequel to this. Yeah, you've also got Otis Day in that movie, mm-hmm. and it's a working place comedy. It's not nowhere near as great as this movie. Yeah, but it's in fact it's kind of. But you have like Franklin Ajay is this great stand-up comedian mm-hmm. who this could have been like his major breakout role. I kind of feel the same way with Charlie Barnett being in DC Cow. Oh, yeah. Which he was just a little too much for the masses. Like, he was brilliant. Brilliant comic. And nobody knows him to this day. And he's since passed away. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, he was, he was like the more um, volatile version of Don Rickles in a way. And Oof. people didn't know how to accept him, <laughs> you know? I, I can almost see that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, James Sparks, also in this movie, who was in... Omen 2 and Dr. Detroit. Oh, yeah. It's good stuff. Well, Let's one of them see. is. <laughs> Dr. Detroit. <laughs> you know what was the other one? Omen 2. You don't like that? Ah, you know, it's not. I mean, they're not Is great. that the one with Sam Neill? Wait, is it Sam Neill? No, that's no, the third that one, the Final Conflict. Oh, okay. Where he's the grown I've never seen any yeah. of them. I just knew Sam Neill was in one of them. You know, you kind of, you get the gist of it. They're decreasing value, I think. He's You're very much right. Three isn't terrible. It's Who not terribly that? great. A podcast okay I was movie. listening to? And Jason, not podcast. everybody has the same opinion. No, no, don't listen to podcasts. <laughs> but the, the fourth one is the best, actually. Out of, no. I didn't even know there There's was no. four. <laughs> there oh. wasn't. There, there is. It was made yep. for TV. Uh, it was on Fox Monday Night at the Movies. Omen for The Awakening. I thought three was The Awakening. Oh, nope, nope, you're right. They I also thought did four was The Awakening for some reason. Totally tangenting or i am rather mm. do you have the novels with you today no i don't but they did two novel sequels which was uh armageddon 2000 and what was the <laughs> omen 5 what was omen 5's title you're asking me 
Gordon McGill wrote it. him. He wrote the no- novelization for The Final Conflict. Also wrote Amityville 3D novelization, by the way. Abomination. There Stop. you go. Thank you. No. Thank you. Thank you. Stop it. We don't have oh. to novelize every damn thing, do we? Anyway. <laughs> Sometimes people like to read. I read the novelization of every movie I could get my hands on when I was younger. Because yeah, I just like to read. So. Right. Oh, what do, what do we think of Lorraine Gray showing up as the Karen? I don't know about film. Lorraine Ger- Gray, but I know about Lorraine Gary. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> I can't read my own writing. Yeah. But any, you was, know who I'm damn well talking about. I know, Ellen Brody. Ellen Brody Jaws. shows up. Oh with my God. With the kid oh, that can't stop vomiting. Here we go. Which also my is a universal thing. Is if, your kid can't quit, if your kid can't quit throwing up, He's don't put it doctor. back in the car. Or right. that. But, that. but that's a great tail end to her moment because she's such an asshole. Mm. Oh yeah, when the, the kid threw up on her, yeah. I was like, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she's great in it. And we love Lauren Gary. I also... Yes. I also like the bit Lauren where Gray? <laughs> Gary. I'm thinking of a uh, Gray Gary. Who am I thinking of? Linda Gray from Buck Rogers. Oh, okay. Well, we do love her. Too. Well, yeah. Well, it's because that's Buck who Rogers. I was thinking of. Yeah. <laughs> of course. But Gil, of course, this Gil was Gerard. Like, you know, and you know, her husband was Sid Sheinberg, who was head of Universal. Really? And that was actually <gasps> heavily contested that she got the role in Jaws because of they were like, oh, it's you know, mm. but. She's brilliant in Jaws 1 and 2 and Jaws Who, who else would they I can't wait to give one. my opinion on it when I finally watch them. Yes, please. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You, you, I guarantee you're going to have some opinions about uh, all the Jaws movies. I just don't like <laughs> creature movies. Like really? animal, I don't like them. Like that's why I didn't like Crawl that came out last year. Like I just don't Crawl? Crawl? That's a great movie. Oh, okay. Crawl. I'm sorry. With- the alligator movie. <laughs> you know. I'm sorry. I just Nick think Crawl. Crawl. Not, no, not <laughs> that. That would be really weird. 1983 sci-fi fantasies during Nick Crawl. Yeah. It would have been just as good. Maybe. Admit it. Would he have the awesome uh, ninja flying dagger star thing? The glaive. The glaive. There you That's go. They called it. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever see those tie-ins that Dunkin' Donuts did with that at the time? I must have missed that. <laughs> Glaved Dunkin donuts. donuts. I missed Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> You're still full of shit. <laughs> oh, full either way, I still miss Dunkin' Donuts. Glaved yeah. Donuts. And those places did tie-ins all the time. Right. Pizza Hut yeah. always had the weirdest tie-ins. Yeah. Well, they, mm-hmm. they did the uh, t- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, coming out of their shells tour album, which you could only get on a cassette tape. Mm. For At 398. Yeah. <laughs> when they actually did a tour in 1990. This is like going off the rails. Sure. And I, I can just feel the dagger We should just start having a s- segment. Well, <laughs> Nathan goes off we the do. rails. We yeah, have an editorial or something. The whole podcast. So this movie kind of features the Pointer Sisters very briefly. Mm-hmm. They're not called the Pointer Sisters in the movie, though. They're the Wilson Sisters? Wilson. Sort of like how in uh, That's the Way of the World. Earth, Wind, and Fire is referred to as the group and not Earth, Wind, and Fire, even though they're on the poster as Earth, Wind, and Fire in. Right. But they're acting. Yeah. They're barely in the movie at all. Instead, we get like Burt Convy and his band called the Tan Shirts or whatever the hell it was. I don't remember. A bunch of these movies were built around showcasing a band. This one isn't so much. Uh, Thank God It's Friday was kind of like that. Well, that was Donna Summer Summer and the Commodores. Yeah. 
And that was very much, and we'll get into the Casablanca records and film works later on. Later on, yes. <laughs> but yeah, that was very much a push for her. Not that she needed it. She was tremendously no. successful. I don't think they were pushing anybody in particular in this. Was the was the song done for the movie or because of the movie? So did it which came first? Norman Whitfield was contacted to do the score and he created the group Rose Royce for the sake of the soundtrack. Uh, so the song Car Wash, all that which by the way, at the beginning we should have done the <laughs> you know, we didn't do that. Anyway, um so the he wrote <laughs> All the music before they shot any of the film. Really? I don't know if he based it off of Schumacher's script. And just, he would have had to, to know mm. the Daddy Rich sequence and all that. Yeah. He actually does that whole song that the Pointer Sisters do. But yeah, so he had done the score. And I think that's pretty awesome because how many movies have the music ahead of time that then maybe they were playing it on set? We don't know. But I can, I can only imagine how great that would have been actually shooting the car wash sequences to the song car wash. The whiz also Jules Schumacher, by the way. Ah, yeah. Um, he did a lot of things that I was like very surprised. Yeah. Cause when he passed away, I looked at his filmography. I was like, Oh, I wonder if I've seen he, anything by him. And I was like, yeah. well, I definitely he have seen loads very, by him. Very diverse body of yeah, work. That probably guy. one of the <laughs> most diversified. Really threw me off guard. <laughs> yeah. Written by Larry like, Cohen. Um, you just never know for sure what you were going to get out of. He tackled every genre successfully. Like, seriously, like you could throw him anything and mm. he would do it. And people will argue that they're not fans of Batman and Robin. I love it now. Everyone's a fan of Batman and Robin. They're just lying to themselves. It's a, it's so much fun. It's so much fun. I hated it when I first saw it, but I love Batman Forever. Oh my God. It was not well received at all when it first came out. All of those Batmans were very it. poignant to my growing up. Yeah, and they're and that's like All a definite time hands. capsule as well. And Schumacher was king what? of capturing what do you, what the What did you say, Jason? I just like the phrase "All those Batmans," which All should have been Batmans. the title of at least one of those movies. That's yeah. going to be the next All box set Batmans. title. Dang All those, those Batmans! Batmans. <laughs> well, as, long, as long as they don't include Christopher Nolan's, I'm good. Ooh, I like the first two out of the three. Yes, exactly. Yeah, thank you. <clears throat> anyway, so Jason wants to talk more about a little bit about car wash if we can. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a, it's a Jill Schumacher had a diverse body work. Car wash has a very diverse cast. Yeah, I, I, intentionally, for sure. There's a lot of so all those storylines can combine together mm -hmm. and really they can do some interesting things with them. Dwayne, I mean, I mean. Abdullah, you know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, you know where I'm coming from. Revolution is the anti- You're gonna my brain, right? Right. I'm gonna let you. You know that revolution you keep talking about all the time? When it happens, and it's gonna happen, then you're gonna be working here for real, not just playing around, splashing in the water. You understand? We get a chance to run your white ass, and y'all get a chance to sing, <laughs> We Shall Overcome, in Chinese. <laughs> That's not what I meant. I'm so tired of you running off at your mouth that's getting me down, honey. Why don't you just leave and be an assassin? Well, the only thing you're good at shooting off is your big mouth. Would you please get out of my face, you sorry-looking faggot? Oh. Who are you calling sorry-looking? <laughs> Can't you all see that she ain't funny? She's just another poor example of how the system has of destroying our men. Honey, I am more man than you'll ever be, and more woman than you'll ever get. Oh, 
That's a look of begrudging respect at the end of that clip, though. I love <laughs> that character, though, of Lindy. Yes, yes. And, and I also, it's so ridiculous. I love how this ties in to the Matrix Revolution because is, of the speech is about revolution. I have no idea why my server decided to change the name of the clip. That's so funny. People listening won't see it, but there's like a fucking preview screen that has... <laughs> I, I pull clips from the movies, I drop them onto my server, and for whatever damn reason, it decided to rename this one The Matrix Revolution. And re thumbnail it. Like, it's yes. not like. 2003. It, yeah. <laughs> not a clue. It's yeah, fitting, though. Like, in is, so many ways. This, this, this scene is basically just short of just doing yo mama jokes and I mean, there's, it's a slightly, some slight resentments under the surface, but they can get past it. They can still, you know, respect each other. You see that look at the end. He knows yeah. he's been got, he knows right. he got beat on that one. We don't get right. that for all of the characters, unfortunately. Some of them, we, not everybody can have a story. I think it's with Lindy's but. character though, because hmm. they show with that character, they encompass so much, but they don't ever really talk about Lindy. So right. by having mm -hmm. that altercation between the insult them brings and it, out yeah, of yeah, yeah, it yeah. does. Yeah. And it shows that they're going to be who they are, regardless of how anyone else treats them. And I liked that about that character. Yeah. And I, and I, and and I like that as, as the movie has some great messages in that respect. Mm -hmm. and, and I certainly, yeah, that resonates. But uh, also, yeah, in that scene, you're going to mention uh, the line, huh? The line no. that Schumacher reused. No. Let's hear that. I uh, know is the the line he has. Lindy has at the end. He, I think he reused it for another script. The I'm more man know, somewhere down the road. Yeah, that one. I think it got. I think I heard it in a different movie. I I'm will sure. find out. Also, Schumann. but anyway, you were going to say Nathan. No, I just uh, the one thing I always think, and I looking back at it now because at the time nobody knew he was going to end up doing this show later on. But Darrow Igus is in this clip in particular. He's in the whole movie, but hmm. he plays the character of Floyd, I believe. And, of course, he went on to be on the show Fridays uh. with Mark Blankfield, who's in The Jerk 2, directed by Michael Schultz. Anyway, um, <laughs> so you have Garrett Morris from Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Daragas from Fridays uh. in the same movie. Who knew? Well, I noticed it. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of dig that. I, I, those kind of connections I dig. So eh, We've mentioned Fridays briefly before, but yeah. it wasn't around for very long. And What was Fridays? Fridays was supposed to be sort of a, not competition for Saturday Night Live, but something similar to it, only yeah. it was on Friday. Yeah. The and only other one LA that I based. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say the only other show that I remember that was similar to Saturday Night Live was... Um, Mad TV or something. No, not even Mad TV. The one with Jim Carrey in it. Oh, in Living, Living Color. Color, yeah. yeah. And thank you. I almost said Living yeah. Single, and those are two totally different things. Great but show, though. Both great shows, yeah. Mm. And I think they were on the same night. Fridays came around much earlier. It was, well, in a way, it was competition with SNL, because SNL was certainly on the decline. 1980 in the, season oh, the was not yeah. Yeah. the winning season, because the whole cast had left the new season that fall. It's when we got to Piscopo and... Uh, Later, we later? Got Eddie oh, later, Murphy yeah. within that same season, but you had Gilbert Gottfried and Oof. Charles Rocket and a lot of those guys. Charlie Rocket, yeah. oh goodness, 
Yeah. But at any rate, so Lauren Michaels had kind of abandoned the show at that point. Yeah, I he'd think, already too. He, checked out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before coming back. But um Yeah, he definitely anyway, came back. Fridays was the beginning of Larry David and Michael Richards yep. first started that before they went off and did Seinfeld. So that's I don't know if they met on that show, but I mean that's seems kind likely. of the genesis. I'm sure they may have done improv stuff prior to that or whatever, mm-hmm. but both being stand up backgrounds. Well, when you have a cast as large as this movie did, you're gonna get a lot of intersecting lines going on further down the road. So like I said, a lot of these guys like especially Antonio Fargus did Every single movie they could get their hands on, it yeah. seemed like. Yeah. I mean, he never Vargas not worked. He was like Cleopatra Jones, Foxy Brown, Street Walking. Yeah. Yeah. And there is Pepe Serna is also in that clip. And we've talked about him. He's in Fandango. He's the gas station attendant in that. And oh, okay. He, a, he, he definitely movie. looked familiar to me. Hmm. He was in he was another in me. movie. No, that was somebody else. We did another movie I thought that he was in, too, recently. Who is the one, the other um, tall man, the guy who wears the, the mouse Grimm. hat? <laughs> no. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. It, was, it was a blank, and you'll miss a cameo from Angus Scrim and Car Wash, but <laughs> because I couldn't figure out his name in the film to look him up on IMDb, but he yeah. he looks very familiar to me. From what I remember, this might have been his biggest moment in film. I can't remember. Oh, okay. Might have been, yeah. That explains yeah. he might be one of the people who doesn't have a picture. If he wasn't very yeah, big, if they're, after not, this. if they're not prolific yeah. acting, you know, to this day, kind of thing. Sure. That's, sad reality of imdb mm-hmm. is it's you know if you're a working actor you get your picture yeah there's so many great actors in here sure I mean, character actors yeah Cla- clarence muse holy shit he was like in his 80s when he did this oh yeah yeah there was been- definitely a lot of people that i once i looked them up i was like oh i do know them but yeah. because this is such an older mm-hmm. film i know them more so in their stuff now than their stuff back then Right. And there's so. also, this is kind of like nobody knew them at this time. You know, they, mm-hmm. most sure. of these guys, this is where they started. Yeah. Television, you know, for the most part, well, they were probably, some of them were probably known to a small group of audience members who, cause they'd been in lesser films, not as well. Yeah. Huge like we talked about like Fargus being in so much stuff that you just, you just accepted the fact that he would be in a movie, you know, he, sure. was, he was a welcome presence, you know, and kinda a lot like, of these guys uh, were kind of like Dick Miller. He just would, yeah. you know him, you don't know his name, but you've seen him before that's, in like seven other movies that summer. That's just that is like, you may not, you know, these people as being character actors. Sure. You don't know their names, but you're like, Oh yeah. I remember that. Person. Bill Duke yeah. was that way for me in this. Bill Duke. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, man. I've seen him in tons of things, but it's like, oh, I didn't know him. Yeah. Like you were probably thinking of Action Jackson. No, hey. I was actually thinking of Mandy. Action Jackson is brilliant. Not Commando. You know. Mm-hmm. That's I've right. He's Commando. one of the bad guys in Commando. Commando. Yeah. Yeah, right before that was before Predator. Mm-hmm. Yep. Still one of my personal favorites. Commando? Yeah. I love Commando. Even though I never could really <laughs> believe that the bad guy in that had ever had a chance what? against Schwarzenegger. I mean, it was like Wearing chainmail necklace or something the whole time. It was the fact that Come he on. believed in himself enough. That's all that mattered. There you go. You there talking you about go. the guy in Commando? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was the message of Commando: was believing yourself. You can yeah, be super. Yeah, because you can, you can go overcome up against anything. The Commando. You can go up against. <laughs> and this ties in with your clip. His name in the movie is John Matrix. So if we were to do a Commando clip show, you might get all Matrix Revolution clips. 
Great. Now it season three is going to have Commando yeah. on it. Yeah, it we have to do together. Commando, I think. That's inevitable. I always look forward to new seasons because then I'll see a bunch of stuff I've never seen before. And may regret seeing. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is a deleted scene in this movie. Yeah, there you were. That? I, I think I saw a clip of it somewhere, isn't it, with Bill Duke, where he says, "Well, I mean, there may be scenes with him that yeah. are cut." Which one are you thinking of? Danny DeVito. Oh, the DeVito thing. Yeah, and I yeah, yeah. That. They just completely. Which, wasn't that put in for out. like the TV version or something? It may have been. I don't know. I've never seen. That's the weird thing is like I've seen this movie on television. Yeah. Because this is like Universal had all these movies that if they're on TV, you have to watch them. Mm-hmm. Jaws, this mm-hmm. movie, and Blues Brothers, pretty much. If they're on TV, even though they're cut to shit, you still yeah, got to yeah. watch them. They're just on. So I would watch this on, on television quite a bit. In fact, I probably saw that on TV more before I saw the original theatrical version. But sure. I don't remember. But they're in the movie. In Tim Thomerson's scene, you can see Danny DeVito in the background. Uh. Mm-hmm at this restaurant thing up across the street. But yeah, he hadn't done Taxi yet, which is talking about a working place comedy. Mm. Oh, I love Taxi. Yeah, great. So Until th- Luke Besson came on board, and then he just changed the whole route of that. Oh, wait, no, that's different Taxi. I'm sorry. Anyway. Yikes. <laughs> no, I'd forgotten that I knew there was, it was him and uh, somebody else had all these scenes together in the diner that got cut. Yeah. I think put back in because they had to cut some other stuff for the TV version Probably, to pad yeah. out the time. They put it back in or something like that. Which I don't remember. Yeah, it's, it's not weird in the theatrical cut. That. Right. I think yeah, it's, it's never been on any home one. video version. Yeah. And the Blu-ray doesn't have deleted scenes. Right. In fact, I was kind of... Has there been like a nice Blu-ray of it or is it just one of those... Yeah, it's Shop Factory put it out oh, okay. uh, mm-hmm. a year or two ago, actually. Yeah, I can't imagine but, this not having a nice edition because it is such a revered film. It is, but at the same time, I think it's totally underrated. You know what well, I mean? Yeah, like, but sometimes your ones that paved wash, the way and, are that like, way. Like if you talk to people now, they think back on it fondly and they go, oh yeah, Car Wash, but they forget about They've it. They've heard the song and have no idea there was a movie that That's went true with it. too, yeah. There was a movie? It's like, yeah. Yeah. Fairly important film. It's kind of like when people... You know, love listening to that song Sky High, but they don't even know about the man from Hong Kong. Yeah, I guess it is oh, like that. What a shame. <laughs> it is. It's exactly like that. Let's see. Who else do we have? There was there? a Footloose movie? What? Oh, God. Really? <laughs> so in most instances, the films come post the song, right? I don't know. I there's There's certainly been movies that were made as an excuse. Right. To feature somebody. Built around a single okay. or something or, yeah, a band. Or a band. Yeah, we can think of a few, like, uh, I think there's a Kiss movie in particular that was built for them to languish in for a little while. Which one of those actors is in this movie? Uh, Carmine Caridi is in this. He's the one with the dog and his kids. And they're like, mm-hmm. yeah. You could argue that Sgt. Pepper's, the movie, was not meant as any kind of showcase for the Beatles themselves, but yeah, it's, it's kind of an anomaly. Was it even a showcase for the Bee Gees or did they just kind of fall into it? I don't know what they were doing with that. Robert Stigwood produced it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's It's like, are are they trying to honor the Beatles catalog or the Bee Gees decimation of the Beatles catalog or Hey, Hey, yeah, that's blasphemous. Why is there a woman in the movie named Strawberry Fields and they do the song I Strawberry Fields forever? I literally thought you were going to say, <laughs> I I you were gonna say why is there a woman speaking? I didn't. 
no, no, no. I was like, damn, jeez. No, if, if you've never seen the movie version, he's just their cut loose. Interpretation it, of Sergeant very, Pepper. Oh, Sergeant I mean, Pepper's, honestly, it's one of the most what the fuck movies ever. That's saying I mean, a Yellow lot. Yellow Submarine's <laughs> pretty what the fuck. No, I've yeah, only ever also, seen Yellow but Submarine. That's, that's the Beatles, though, truly. But, but they decided to make this movie in 1978. Beatles okay. have been broken up for eight years. And yeah. they were like, let's just make a Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band movie. We got the, we got the Bee Gees. They're just, they're just like the Beatles, we got right? Smith, we got Alice Cooper. We've got Steve Martin. Well, now I, I want to see this. Yeah, it, you have to. Oh, and who could be like the, the uh, token master of ceremonies? Oh, no. Who could who could be it? Who do you think? Um, actually, I'll give you a hint. He played God. They got George Burns. Alanis yes. Morissette. No. Bef- no, she did play God. <laughs> That's true in Dogma. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was going for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, George Burns is what I was saying. That'd be weird if Alanis Morissette was in it because <laughs> she hadn't been born be like yet. I don't even think she was 14, born. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> That's probably generous. Probably, probably like generous. Eight, yeah. God, probably who like isn't in this? So did they just take all musicians that were relevant at the time and put them in this? I wouldn't go yeah. so far as relevant in some of those cases. <laughs> in some cases. Well, I was yeah. looking at Aerosmith in particular. Steve Martin's in it? Yeah, he yeah. has a musical number. Yeah. Oh, this God, is back I'm before he had, this. like, he hadn't done the jerk yet. So he was, like, guest spotting this. and stuff like this. And <gasps> Peter movie. Frampton. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. like the other lead, basically, next to the Bee Gees. Okay, and there's I'm a whole watch sequence this. where Dr. Frankenstein um, resurrects him from the dead, and then he comes alive. Anyway, Who, um, and this is directed by the same guy as what we watched today. Yes. Or I watched today. We're talking about it today. Yes, Michael Schultz. Um, yeah. All right. There were a, a great number of very regrettable decisions made in the 1970s that we have to live with. Now, <laughs> now that was one of them. Yep. Yeah, but sometimes they're fun. Even it if is, they aren't yeah. necessarily good, you know. I think the movie's fun, and it's definitely it's it's just a uh, I don't know a curiosity, I suppose. That's an well, easy. Well, I mean, way it has my. Uh, I'm gonna watch it now. Right now. Yes. Bye. Okay. Cool. <laughs> no, I'm just All kidding. Right. She's <laughs> tune out for a while. But it does it does fit in with the general category of car wash, also, which is just. The musical movie. It's not really a musical per se. But the music is a musical in the it. sense that Saturday Night Fever is a musical. Yeah, I could see that. The music sure. is the backdrop. Although there is a musical number in this. Mm-hmm. Which was very Rich. peculiar. I don't know how I felt about that whole scene in general. Yeah. It comes With, off a little awkward. Like, it feels tacked on. Yeah, Kinda I like didn't like that character. the musical number in Gas Pump Girls. Just one. Yeah, You're that like, one. What? Yeah, I knew Katie would agree. <laughs> I do have a question. I just, do you think that it is problematic that a white man wrote this film? Not really. I don't think so. I mean, I don't, I don't, I didn't feel like anything was overly portrayed wrong. You know what I mean? I'm just Mm -hmm. curious because sometimes you can get films or books or things like that written by white people about people of color and it does, it does a disservice to it. So I was just genuinely curious because... Because when I first put this on, I had no idea that Joel Schumacher had even um, written it. So I, I think that says more to the versatility and skill of Joel Schumacher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Well, that's just it. And and who knows degree of script versus um, improvisation on the oh. set. Probably. Oh, there, yeah. I mean, look at yeah. how many, he has a lot of comic talent involved in this film. Yeah. Oh, definitely. But also he had just done Sparkle. He wrote that. That's a, that's a black casted film. Um, and then he did the whiz after this. So true. it's, yeah, it is a testament. Plus we're talking about a, a gay white man by the way oh definitely that's why i think lindy's character was handled well and i think like even though we're not even told anything about lindy we don't know if lindy yeah. is supposed to be trans or just a cross-dresser mm-hmm. if they go by like we know nothing about that character but i like how it was handled because it isn't ham-fisted and it doesn't like hit you over the head or right. anything like that not even the dramatic ending that they had added onto this movie I didn't see coming. You, you no, wouldn't think they're going to end this like it did. The tone shifts, shifts dramatically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But n- nobody in this movie really gets, I would say, dunked on. No, everybody's no. handled even playing field for everyone. Handled with respect. Yeah. Abdullah I, completes yeah. his arc, and and that's why I say he was like a master of the ensemble. Mm-hmm. You could throw him any scenario. I mean, mm-hmm. look at all of his his films are different genres. So I mean, you really. Oh. I mean, you could say Lost Boys and Flatliners are horror films or something, but even then, mm. they're not completely horror films or thrillers or comedies. He you just know. spans so much. Right. Like. And so, I mean, for him to do, did he do Tigerland after Batman and Robin? I mean, yes. come on. That's like, wow. Totally different type of movie. And then Phone Booth. It still blows my mind that he did Phone Booth. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. And the Phantom and, of the Opera. Well, Colin Farrell was, I don't Pretty much, he didn't discover him, but I mean, he was in Tigerland, and that was that led mm-hmm. to the phone booth. So he had this innate sense of discovering talent as well. And he would, if you told him that, he would never, he would deny it. He'd be like, ah, you would have picked them too, you know. <laughs> but like, look at this cast for Saint Almost Fire. I mean, mm. and Flatliners, like those, and Lost Boys, really. DC Cab is loaded. Mr. In more Tia. ways than one. Yeah, you've got Gary Busey, which yeah, yeah. It's loaded enough as it is, <laughs> but that's as almost a stacked deck as car wash in a sense. Not sure. so much, but in terms of just star power, you're just like, wow. I mean, he just knew how to attract talent and write for people successfully. Anybody else got anything to add to car wash? I think it was interesting to watch for the first time now because it definitely, I'm not saying it was groundbreaking in set the precedence for certain things, but you can definitely see where it helped move it along. Yeah. If that makes sense. And can yeah. we think of another like working place comedy prior to this? That's like prior to this. No, I can't. There has to be, but I just, this is the one that like you think of to me, yeah. I just go to this and I think of record city, which you're the only other person that's ever seen that, that I know <laughs> by the way. Um, and if you ever listen to Gilbert Gottfried's podcast, there is a great episode with Ed Bagley Jr. where they talk about that. They ask him about it and right. why it was shot on video, all that crap. And it's, it's hilarious. I'm yeah, genuinely so. curious. Is, is it easy to listen to a podcast that he does? Uh, Gilbert Gottfried? Yeah, just I feel like. Yeah. Well, it's, it's always centered I, over the guest. So they will have, like okay. for example, they had Dave Thomas. And mm-hmm. they just sit there and talk about SCTV and blah, As blah, in, blah. Oh, or, never mind. <laughs> no, not Wendy's. I thought of the guy who owns Wendy's. And he's dead, by the way. But that'd be yeah. interesting if they did a compelling episode. Conversation. <laughs> yeah. So what was your inspiration for the square 
patties. Wow. This is dead silence right here. Anyway, um, <laughs> more ways than one. But yeah, this this is kind of like, and then another one that came from Universal a couple years after this, FM. Oh yeah, that Martin Mull. I think would be uh, a great double feature. Another great soundtrack too. Oh, definitely. That's basically like listening to classic radio today. It's just a lot of steely soundtrack. Dan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course. But the you had a lot of musical acts in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know that I would. I would consider that a musical in the sense that it's like Saturday Night Fever or Car Wash. Wasn't FM, I think, wasn't that the inspiration for WKRP in Cincinnati? Yeah, very loosely, yeah. Ah, Like What's Happening was inspired by Cooley High, Mm. even though it's a different time frame and all that. But the fun thing about this is I think that you could put Car Wash easily on a double bill with either FM, thank Mm. God it's Friday. Oh, yeah. I think, or DC Cab. Boom, boom, boom. And that era kind of ended with DC Cab. It did. That, I don't know. That's because everyone's miserable at work these days. We don't want to make a movie about it. No. Well, I take that back. There was a lot of 80s comedies that were workplace related. Like yeah, fast it, food it's not and, the same. No. Definitely not. The, or 9 to 5, I think, maybe. Well, that's, yeah, but that has it. like an actual plot going yeah. for it, too. It, no, uh, a lot of things from the 70s ended very abruptly in the 1980s. Uh, one of them almost being Aerosmith. They yeah. almost didn't make it out of there. Yeah, you can't name the uh, fill-in <laughs> members of the band. No. I can't. <laughs> that were on, what, two albums with them? Something like that? Anyway. So, Car Wash, if you haven't seen it, see it immediately. It's available on streaming right now, I think, and as is Record City. And thank God it's Friday. Check it out, everybody. And with that, we'll draw this episode to a close. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time. That's it. The show is over. Thank you for listening. The Smooth Thrills Radio Hour is a production of Ghostcraft and is recorded live in Dallas, Texas. Please email your questions and comments to autopilot at smooththrillsradiohour.com. Enjoy the rest of your day.